Great things happen when iron sharpens iron. Find out more on this episode of Pushback. If you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello to you all, my listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Pushback. I'm Dr. Johnny, and uh, I did lay out a potential landmark case, a landmark abortion case that uh, will hopefully be heard in front of the Supreme Court in October. Um, I encourage you to go back and listen to last, last week's podcast because it's hopeful, very exciting, and I will try to stay abreast of that as much as I can and give you updates and feedback uh, regarding uh, that case. Uh, there is a, a booster shot vaccine uh, coming out and being approved, uh, and I'm going to keep my eye on that as well as far as recommendations and, and my take on the booster as well. So there's some things that are out there that I'm going to uh, keep my eye on for you, my listeners. So keep tuning in every week uh, because I want to give you up-to-date information. You know, the tagline of this podcast is, if you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. And I've heard such great feedback from you all um, and the importance of connecting with these topics. Not e- even, if you don't, even, even if you don't agree with me, it's important that we connect to these topics together as believers so that we know how to engage the world, how we to how to engage our neighbors, how to engage our family and friends with these important topics, and that we can do it from a place of honor uh, and respect towards each other. You know, this uh, podcast is entitled Iron Sharpens Iron. And I, I believe that one of the concerns, uh, one of the directions our culture is heading that makes me concerned uh, that has come, I believe, as a consequence of COVID, but maybe even before that, is this idea of isolation. That we tend to or are prone to lately living on an island, getting our information from our laptop and from Google and from Facebook, um, becoming very inward and isolated, uh, not listening to the advice of others. And Living in isolation, I will just be bold right off the bat, is not a kingdom principle. It's not at all part of his culture. It doesn't mean there aren't moments where we are quiet before him, that we need to separate ourselves. Jesus went off into the wilderness. Uh, there, were the, there are these moments in life where we may need to refuel without others. I'm actually more of an introvert by nature, and so I get refueled by going for a walk in my woods. And as much as I love people, I I do interact with people all day, either in my home or at work, and sometimes I just need to get away and isolate myself. And so there are these moments of isolation that are important, but it's not a lifestyle. And the Bible is very clear that he and in his infinite wisdom never gives the full picture to one person. <laughs> doesn't mean he doesn't lead us with clarity, but he purposefully, I believe, as a loving father, uh, has, has wired us as human beings to require one another and to be part of his kingdom package 
and to pull and to draw from each other so that full and complete revelation comes from its parts, not from one individual. And I just want to share my heart. I've had the ability over the last couple of weeks to have real personal stories. Some I'll share and some I won't share. Regarding self-awareness, I think the hardest part of humanity is self-awareness. <laughs> and, and, and being self-discerning or, or examining yourself can actually be somewhat damaging at times because I believe that we are spirit. I've talked about this many times and it's our connection to the Holy Spirit where true healing and transformation comes from. It's not just from being more self-aware that some of the new age movement would try to tell you. But I believe that even before COVID and maybe has been emphasized through COVID is that there's this culture turning towards anything goes. It's kind of like, quote, you know, that's fine for you, end quote. Or, quote, don't tell me what to do, end quote. And we isolate ourselves by saying, well, it's it's fine for you, but that's not right for me. Or this is the way that we do it. Don't tell me otherwise. And the culture, unfortunately, creates an environment where we can actually be hurting ourselves or others, and then we don't allow anybody to speak into our lives. We put this barrier around us based on those statements, and so that we can actually walk down a path of destruction, and then at the end of that path of destruction, we say, why didn't anybody help me or say anything? <laughs> do you see the cycle that takes place? And so I believe it's a dangerous part of our culture. I believe social media has been an extreme disservice because we are actually able to interact with each other, but from a distance. We have been social distancing way before COVID ever happened. And social media is a tool that allows that. So I believe that we can change culture which is the point of this podcast, by being proactive and actually start asking each other to point out our blind spots. My wife and I have many times have said, you know, what is the best way that we love each other? What is the best way that we love our friends or family? Is it by saying something or not saying something? <laughs> question mark, question mark. <laughs> We've all been there where we can see something, it's it's infinitely easier to see things in other people than it is for ourselves, the self-awareness. And so do we love them well by saying something or not saying something? Well, I believe that we can actually change culture and be proactive in this regard by actually seeking advice and counsel from other people. That actually removes that awkward conversation or, conf- or confrontation. It's about pointing out what other people can't see. When I got out of medical school and we moved to Staples, Minnesota, and I began practicing and started having a real job with a real income, um, it wasn't long after that that I bought a Chevy Suburban. Now, it was my favorite vehicle that I've ever owned, and I've always loved it. And as many of you know, we began to have more and more children. And we ended up having eight children. And I know it sounds kind of funny to say, but we actually outgrew the Chevy Suburban. And so it was a little bit of a sad day for me when we had to trade it in on a 15-passenger van. (laughs) Not that vans 
don't have their pluses, but it's not quite as cool as a Chevy Suburban. Well, I'm happy to report as of about a few weeks ago, because our kids are now getting older and moving out and getting married, that we actually have sort of evolved back into a family that would fit into a Chevy Suburban again. And at the first moment and offering, <laughs> I took it and went to a dealership and we got a Chevy Suburban. So I'm a Chevy Suburban owner again, and I'm very, very pleased. So all is right in the world. <laughs> I love it. I love everything about it. It's roomy. It's comfortable. It's four wheel drive. It's, it's, you know, it's a man's, it's a man's man's car. So I am very, very happy. It has a blind spot monitor on both rear view mirrors. And if you have a newer car, maybe you have this as well. But if there's a car to your left or to your right, uh, in your area, in your blind spot, a little light comes on in the rear view mirror. And I'm telling you that when that light comes on, I've, I've come quite used to looking at it and noticing it because I don't have to turn my head. We don't have to try to see if there's somebody there. It's the light is on or the light is off. And I am thankful for that light, not angry. It's not like the light pops on and I go, oh, why did that light, does that light keep popping on? Why is it nagging me? I know there's a car there. Why does it keep telling me that? It's just showing me my blind spot and, and I'm thankful for it not angry about it. And so when we look to others to help us, to show us those blind spots in our life, it's actually to help us and to keep us from destruction. Keep us from a higher insurance payment, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. we're all very familiar with this verse. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's a beautiful verse often quoted because it's, it's, it's setting the culture of the kingdom that we actually need each other. If we want to be a sharp tip of the sword, which is the whole purpose of this podcast, it's the whole purpose of our lives here on this earth is to actually be potent, to actually be uh, the, the tip of the spear here on this earth for the things of the kingdom so that we can love well and we can be impactful and we can actually pierce people's hearts. I also speak that metaphorically. That we have that, that the ability to connect to people's heart and bring real transformation into their life. In order to do that, guess what? We need other people. That's what scripture says. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. My friends, when we hang around people who are wise, who have walked this life, who, who knows the ins and outs, who have been there and done that, guess what? We become wise. And when we don't, we become foolish. It's Proverbs tends to be fairly black and white about those kind of issues. John 15, 15, it says, I no longer call you servants. This is Jesus. But a servant does... Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. There's something about friendship that opens doors, that allows us to share our hearts, the inner workings of who we are, with the people that we know and that we trust and that we love. So that we can actually go about our master's business. He's going to tell us stuff and we share it with others and they share it with us. It's, it's a free exchange of information that comes from heaven and from his kingdom. That's the way he designed it. And here's the deal. 
If you don't like it, it's just too bad because that's just part of his kingdom. That's the way that we are truly hardwired. So I want to read 1 Corinthians 12. I know you're familiar with this, but I want to read it um, several verses with it because I really want you to hear the nuances of what uh, was being talked about here in regards to the body of Christ. Starting at verse 12, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. (laughs) And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, uh, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I I just love that so much. It's so powerful and it's so kingdom and it's so cultural. That's that's why I'm drawn to it. See, I believe self-awareness is the hardest thing we do as human beings. I'm assuming those who are listening to my podcast are human beings, so that's you. And it's one of the hardest things to be aware of ourselves, even of our limitations. And so often we say to the eye or to the hand or the foot, I don't need you. This is talking about exactly what I was saying at the very beginning about what culture I'm seeing in the world right now. It's a culture of, I don't need you. And it's countercultural. It's actually anti-Christ of his spirit and what he actually created us to be. In fact, we need to be more aware of each other and their role and their impact in our lives so that we draw from one another, we feed one another. When we, when one person suffers, we suffer. When one person is honored, we rejoice with them. It's a kingdom principle, and it's one of the most important cultural principles, not only just in the body of Christ, but in the world in general. So the key, in my opinion... The key, the punchline, the the health that I can bring to this conversation and to our culture is that we surround ourselves with those that have our heart and that we are intentional about it. Because if we are truly cutting edge, if we are truly tip of the spear, then we are going to need iron to sharpen our iron. We're going to need it. That's how we do it. That's the strategy that he gave us to do. John 15, 12 through 14. 
It says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. Hmm. That's what we need to look for. Who are those people? Who are those people in your world, in your sphere, that would lay down their life for you? Who are those people in your life, in your sphere, that you would lay down your life for them? Who are those people? I believe it's those people that will give you the sound advice and they will do it from a place of love. No greater love has this. Who are those people? I have those people. I am that person for people. And because of that, our culture needs to be a free exchange of ideas, a free exchange of what the Father is talking to me about, what the Father is talking to you about. That's how kingdom works. And that's how kingdom works effectively. If we live in a culture of isolation where I don't need you, I don't trust you, I don't want your advice, don't tell me what to do, we've actually cut off our feet. We've actually cut off our hands, plucked out our eyes, and we've become completely ineffective. And I believe that's what we're seeing in our culture when we're trying to move in kingdom things and we end up being being immobile and ineffective. And that concerns me. Now, I know and I'm aware that even in the inner circle and the realms of the people that we love, sometimes advice is mixed with fear, jealousy, rivalry. And we need to discern those things. We need to, even when we're giving advice, be able to know what is from God and maybe what is from our heart or what is from fear. And and we can actually we can actually discern those things and communicate in that way. I have a funny memory from probably 30 years ago. Uh, I began to run long distance um, and I began becoming a marathon runner. And I remember my dad, when I was first training and starting to put in the long miles, he said, you know, he goes, I'm concerned about this, about how hard you're pushing and, and how hard it, the, the commitment and the, and the time and the, the bodily strain it takes to run a marathon. And he said, I would just caution you in that. I remember him saying this, and this is important. If dad, you're listening, I don't know if you remember this conversation. He said, this isn't from the Lord. This is just from me. I'm, I'm concerned. So he wasn't saying, no, you shouldn't do it. He was just saying, I'm concerned as a dad. And so I'm not saying that there was fear there, but there was there was a discernment that a father has that maybe I was pushing it too hard or maybe this isn't good for me. And I remember that. I remember taking it to the Lord. I remember even taking it back to him. And I felt like I was able to find that balance of in running for enjoyment and running for God and for him. And, and I believe that my dad recognized that as well. And he became one of my greatest supporters. And, and we, we had so much fun and memories as I would run marathons. I ran 25 marathons, full marathons. And my dad was always the one that was in front of the line that I would see first in his, his white wind jacket. (laughs) I would see him, you know, a quarter of a mile away. And I knew that the family was kind of behind him. He was my marker. And those are happy and good memories. And so we, he was able to point out a blind spot to me Uh, Perhaps maybe I was pushing it too hard or perhaps maybe this wasn't safe. 
And so I was able to take that and to discern that and to receive it and still enjoy the activity. But, but knowing that my father had my back and he had my heart in that, what would be his motive? Was, was he jealous? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think any of those kind of things. Was there some fear there? Maybe, but that's not the point. The point is he came to me with love and spoke his heart and I was able to receive that. That's how relationship works. And I still remember it today. It's interesting. Amy and I, my wife, we, we do a lot of ministry with couples and with marriages, and we always tell them that we don't believe that self-inspection is all that valuable. In fact, we dismiss it outright because usually when we inspect ourselves, we usually condemn ourselves. And so when I talk about self-awareness, I'm not talking about becoming more aware of our problems and putting those in forefront, but it's being aware that we aren't a complete package and that we need others, and the Holy Spirit. We always talk about a Holy Spirit inspection where he can run an MRI or CT scan of us and show us those places that need to get tweaked and refined. That's that's called living in the kingdom and becoming more like Christ every day. And so we can actually go to the Holy Spirit and have him speak to us and have him have others, the people that we love, the people that surround us, actually confirm what the Holy Spirit is saying. That's how it's supposed to work. And when it works, it's a beautiful thing because we all have blind spots. We have physical limitations. Speaking of my parents, and I love you, mom and dad, you know, their children have surrounded them and said, we're concerned about the steps in your house (laughs) as they get older their house is filled with steps and we have gone through a transition in our family trying to find them some one level living. And honestly, I think it's been a beautiful thing because we've worked together as a family and we've been able to share our hearts and they've been able to receive our hearts because we love them and we have their heart. We would die for them. We're, we're those people. We're those people in their lives that speak to them and they received it. And that's special. We have physical limitations. I I still think that I can play football like I was 20 years old. And I can't. My mind still says that I can, which is weird. My body is saying that it can't. And so there needs to be limitations. There needs to be uh, people that say, "Uh, Dad, you might need to take it a little bit easy. You know, my son Elijah broke his leg on his first varsity game playing football. He broke his fibula and he's healed tremendously and almost supernaturally fast. And I'm super excited about that. But there's limitation there. And and if he just said, ah, I'm fine, I can go play, it wouldn't, he'd be putting himself or his body in danger. And so he surrounded himself with people that have his heart and says, Elijah, you're not ready yet, or now you are ready. And we're able to not only just parent it, but able to speak with him in love. My Maggie is an exercise phenom. All she does is exercise and plays volleyball and is extremely athletic. And just the other day, I was like, Maggie, you know, as a father, I have to tell you that sometimes you need to take a break. You can't exercise every day because it's not good for you. I say that as a physician. I say that as your father. I say it as somebody who has your heart. And she received it. She understood what I was saying. And I was able to tell her that from a place of love. There's there's no other motive other than I don't want to see her hurt herself because she may have a little bit of a blind spot there where she just feels like every moment she needs to make herself better and exercise, even though that could be a destructive thing. We have emotional limitations and our families have 
have my family has been exposed to that over the last couple of weeks that sometimes we are guided by our anger or our disappointment or sometimes even just depression. And, and we can see, it's so easy to see it in other people, but when you're living it and when you're immersed in it, it's hard to see it and you need to be surrounded by the ones who love you and say that you need to forgive and you need to take the anger. Nothing is going to be accomplished through anger. And so we're able to have those conversations, but the key to it is this child of mine came to us and said, I need some help and some counsel. And my friends, that is a beautiful thing. In fact, I believe it's one of the greatest moments of parents when, when we are that safe place and we get asked advice and counsel, especially from our older children. And we have spiritual limitations. That's where iron sharpens iron. We don't always see things as clear as we should. Even though we're listening to heaven, we need others to confirm that. When we first started going into ministry, we actually received prophetic words such as, it's time for you to go to ministry, you should consider, not consider, it's time to buy a motorhome. I'm not a big motorhome guy, and I was pretty hesitant. And in fact, I ended up, we ended up calling Amy's parents, and I said to them, uh, we've been getting a lot of words about motorhomes, you think that's a bad idea, right? <laughs> that's the way I said it. And of course, they brought it to heaven on our behalf and came back and said, no, I think there's life on it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it's about listening to the father. It's about getting counsel from others. And, and we moved on the motorhome before I could talk myself out of it because it's about listening to him and obeying. We need to, I, I want to be that person for others. And I want to sit in that place where I receive from others. That's his culture. He never gives all insight to one person. Could you imagine? It would probably be pretty ugly, actually. But he allows us to draw from each other. I want to position myself to need and to be needed. That sounds healthy. And that's what I'm calling for in this culture. Will you do that with me? Start thinking about those people. Start having them over, having conversation, and just talk about life and the things that the Father wants you to know and to be directed and to be guided and will come forth in conversation because that's how he designed it to be. So please take this nugget of wisdom, take it into the world, and let's go together now to set and shape the culture. <laughs>